I V M. Hello, welcome, and khushamadeed. You're listening to the note with me, Mahro Khanayat. Twenty six eleven. Perhaps a memory that has been etched in the minds of most Indians and those who were in Mumbai, especially on that fateful night in two thousand and eight. It has been a twelve years, and for me personally, the memories of twenty six eleven remain as vivid and as sharp as that particular night. This time, for you viewers, I'm going to take you back to two thousand and eight, and what really happened that fateful night, and over the next seventy two hours that I was reporting from outside the Taj Hotel. On the night of twenty six eleven, I remember I finished uh, my. Prime Time News Bulletin. I used to co-anchor it with the then editor in chief of Times Now, Anup Goswami, and the show was called The News Hour. We just finished anchoring the show. We were getting out uh, and out of the building, and it so happened that both of us were walking out of the building together when Anup got this call, and uh, he stopped and. as he hung up he looked at me and he said i got the strangest call uh, where uh, somebody told me there are terrorists inside the oberoi hotel and i looked at him and i said must be a prank call and he said no there was something the person who called would not you know just say it for the heck of saying it so let's go back and investigate so we went back into the newsroom this was around 10 10:15 we go back into the newsroom the news is going on and you know how a television newsroom is that it's like a hole you sit in and you're surrounded by uh, by tv screens where you can see the news as it's happening on different channels you also have a couple of uh, television screens that are feeding you raw footage that is coming in from different parts of the country and different parts of the world so i looked up and i couldn't really see anything happening on any of the other channels and suddenly on one of the hindi channels i saw um a news of a gang war in south mumbai and there was information that there had been some shots heard at cafe leopold now cafe leopold is one of the you know known joints as one would call them in south mumbai in kolaba which is frequented a lot by tourists and uh, locals as well and i looked up and i said okay there are there been shots heard now leopold is in the vicinity of uh, oberoi hotel i would say roughly a 5 km radius where you have uh, cafe leopold you have oberoi hotel and you have the taj as well we started finding out from our own reporters and at that point the information was very sketchy suddenly i saw on uh, this hindi channel there were visuals of people running and it see there were a lot of people and they were running on the roads and i could see cst or which is the chatrapati shivaji terminus in the backdrop and i said this is not near cafe leopold so suddenly the information seemed um, and the situation started becoming more grim and that's when we got the first indication from our home ministry reporter from delhi who said that uh, uh there seems to be a terror attack i can't confirm right now even my sources cannot confirm it at this point uh so we first broke the story uh, on times now at that point uh, with uh, news of a gang war in south mumbai and within minutes we got a confirmation it, that it could be a possible terror attack that's when i was sent uh, out by my editor arnab he said go out and report and that's when i moved to south mumbai 
and this was a wednesday evening and anybody who's aware of mumbai traffic will tell you that there's always traffic on the roads there's no time in mumbai maybe now with the pandemic and the lockdown you would have seen empty roads in mumbai otherwise it would almost seem like armageddon there's never a time in mumbai when there's no traffic on the roads and this is like 11 o'clock or quarter to 11 i'm going past haji ali mahalakshmi not a car on the road and it was really eerie and from haji ali down pedder road as i uh, came on to marine drive there was almost a deathly silence and i told my video journalist who was with me i said something is seriously wrong where are the people there's nobody there and as i reached the oberoi hotel i asked the driver to stop a few uh, meters before and we got out of the car my video journalist and i and i looked up and it seemed as if all the lights uh, of uh, oberoi hotel were uh, were switched on and i looked up and i said this is uncanny uh, because usually you know by 10, 11 11:15 some lights are switched off and there was a lot of movement in a lot of rooms suddenly as i'm looking up there's a burst of gunfire uh, both of us ducked for cover and we got into this lane which was like ra- going behind the hotel and that's where we rushed into and as we moved behind the hotel we were trying to figure out what was going on as we moved behind the hotel we came across this group of uh, seemingly uh, business executives who were standing there most of them seemed southeast asian and they were all looking towards the hotel now we are at the back of the hotel looking up and uh, looking at the uh, what was going on and they kept pointing there and uh, most of them obviously couldn't speak in english because they didn't say much they obviously were looking very very scared and terrified and that's when i moved back onto so i had kind of circumvented come from behind the hotel and i was on back onto marine drive and i'm now looking at the front entrance of uh, the oberoi hotel and talking to arnab on the phone constantly because the one directive i had was just keep describing what you're seeing and that's what i was doing and now i'm standing in front of the oberoi hotel right across the road on marine drive and uh, I'm looking and I see you know they have those trolleys which carry the luggage out and uh, there were two ambulances parked in the driveway and next to the lobby and there were these uh, trolleys being brought out with bodies on them and I started counting them one by one they were being put in and I counted 9 and I was just uh, uh, telling this uh, to Arnab who was anchoring at that point that this is what's happening and as soon as that uh, that happened uh, there were you know at that time it's very hard for anybody to understand because there were simultaneously so many things happening at the same time uh, we were hearing reports of one terrorist have been uh, having been caught which obviously turned out to be kasab and that story came out later we got news at that very uh, moment of uh, himant karkare one of the top um, encounter specialists uh, and ats chief who had been killed at that point plus there was news of firing and bomb blasts inside the taj hotel all of this happening simultaneously and this is what i'm seeing in front of my eyes and then i was told to go to the taj hotel because we already had one of my colleagues who had reached the oberoi by then so i rushed to the taj hotel and the scene there was really out of like an uh, you know uh, an apocalyptic movie the dome of the taj the old building of this iconic heritage building was up in flames there was one solitary fire brigade uh, fire tender that was there 
and it was trying to douse the flames at the far end of the hotel. There was nobody else. There's hardly any police. Nobody was stopping us. I went from Gateway of India, walked towards the hotel. And for those who are not familiar, there is this one view of the Taj Hotel, which faces the sea, right? The Arabian Sea. So I'm walking on that, uh, the parapet right opposite the, uh, the hotel, which is right next to the sea. I have the Gateway of India to my back. I have the Taj Hotel to my right. And I'm walking and I look up and on the first floor of the Taj Hotel, this is the old building of the Taj, as I mentioned, there were people who were banging on the windows of what uh, is um, one of the famous restaurants of Taj. And they had towels on their faces. There seemed to be a lot of smoke and fire behind them because there was like an eerie light behind them. And they were just banging and I can't, I can't forget the faces of those people and that particular scene. And I just kept reporting for hours from there till it was morning, till it was 7 a.m. when the first batch of Marine commandos reached the Taj Hotel. That was the night of 26-11, which is unforgettable for so many reasons. Uh, the second day, through the day, uh, on Thursday, I kept reporting from outside. We were about 100 meters away. By then, some uh, some sense or some semblance of police had come in. They were still trying to figure out what was going on. And throughout the time, throughout this entire time, you could hear constant firing. It would stop for some time and then start again. And then small little bomb blasts going off, small little bombs going off, which later we would find out was actually the commandos who were going from one, one room to the other and actually blowing the door so that they could go in and catch the terrorists. So Thursday went uh, with reporting just that and slowly we were getting information of how many terrorists were inside. And by Thursday, the entire operation had at the Oberoi had ended and all the terrorists there had been killed. All the guests of the hotel had been moved out. But Taj continued and sh so did the Shabad house, which was behind the Taj Hotel in uh, in the vicinity. On Friday, there was finally Section 144 imposed and we were still reporting from outside. The world media had gathered outside the Taj and it had become the epicenter of the terror strike. And I remember somewhere around 2, 2.30 p.m. is when we felt... Um, there were bullets coming towards us, towards where the journalists were. And we got information that one journalist from the Philippines had been hurt. And that's when all of us lay down on the floor just to uh, protect us uh, from the bullets. That was a very tricky moment. Uh, by the end of Friday evening, uh, it had already been more than 72 hours, uh, actually close to 60 hours. And uh, we could get a sense that uh, the end was very near. And I remember that uh, at around seven in the morning is when the information of uh, the final terrorist who had been killed, uh, who was killed inside the Taj, his body fell right in front of us as I was reporting, his body fell. And that ended uh, the siege of 2611. Uh, so many lessons that uh, one learns uh, from the experience of such an event. At the time, I remember telling myself that I only need to think of one thing, and that is to be factual, to not exaggerate, to just tell the viewers only what I was seeing and not what I was hearing, to control my emotions because it became uh, 
primarily because you were so tired by the end of it that often when you're tired you can uh, exaggerate the situation and that I didn't want to do I saw plenty of examples around me where people were doing that and I felt I kept telling myself I shouldn't do that but you learn so many things I think if a 2611 god forbid were to happen in today's time and there's so much of social media I really thank god that there wasn't uh, social media the way it is today because there would be so many different versions coming out we of course realized that reporting of such an event in real time helped the handlers of these terrorists who were across the border in Pakistan uh, so there has to be a deferred live of such uh, such terror strikes but clearly it was a landmark moment it was a tragedy of humongous proportions and something that we all learned uh, from as journalists something that i'll never forget my entire life and even now uh, 12 years down the line it seems like i'm still going through exactly what happened in those 72 hours if you like this podcast don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the ivm network you can listen to us on the ivm podcast app or ivmpodcast.com you can also follow us on our social media We are at the rate IVM podcast on Twitter and Instagram and if you want to reach out to me I'm Mahrukh Hinayat on Twitter and Mahrukh Hinayat on Instagram as well.